Okay, we're going to start by finishing up this beautiful Sefer, the Yud Gimel Midas, from Toyma Devaira. We're up to Midi Yud Gimel, Mimei Kedem, from days past. Hashem has an attribute with Bnei Yisrael. When the merit of the forefathers has been spent, or so too other merits. What can he do? What can Hashem do? They are unworthy, unworthy on their own right. So The Torah tells us, the Pasuk says in Yirmiyo, I remember for you the kindness of your youth, the love of your bridehood. Mamish Hashem actually remembers the days of old. The love that he had in the past to us. And he has mercy on Klal Yisrael. And he remembers all of the mitzvahs that they have done since the day that they were born. And all of the good attributes which Hashem directs his world. And from all of them, and he makes from all of them a skula, a merit by which to have mercy on them. This attribute is a mida that includes all other attributes. Like it says in the Zayir HaKadosh. So to every person, this is the way he should set his behavior towards other people. Even if he cannot find any of the above points from the Yud Bey's Midas that we did already, he can't find anything from the past 12 Midas that we discussed to be something good in their favor. Still, he should say, There was once a previous time before they sinned. There was a time that our kids were young. And they behaved properly, and they behaved, and they listened to us. Or in previous days, at that point, or in previous days, they were good. And he should remember the good deeds that that person did when he was a child. He should remember the natural love that people have for those who they take care of, who they raise, who they wean from milk. And when you think about all of this from this point of view, there is no human being that is unfit to receive our favors. And that we should not daven for their, their success and to be marachim on them. The definition of the attribute. When someone is harmed by a completely wicked person, and it is clear that the harm was done deliberately, and there is no way to judge him favorably with any of the twelve attributes stated above, he should say to himself, there was once a time before the harm was done, when that person was still good, he should recall, remember the good deeds that the offender did when he was a child, or at least when he was an innocent baby. And from this perspective, there is no Jew that is unfit to receive our favors, our prayers, and our mercy. As the Zayar HaKadosh says, Rav Huna said, there is no Jew so wicked that he has no good deeds through which he will ascend to Olam Haba, to the world to come.
If a person takes this perspective, he awakens in heaven the merciful attributes from days past, bringing that element of mercy into the world. Again, each time that we use one of the Gimel Midais, we open up that Sinar that allows Hashem to bring that element of this Midah into the world, which we need so, so, so much. Practical example. Hi, Shal, how are you? I just saw your son, Eilat, the other day, said Michael. Shal started, stared quietly at Michael for a moment. He saw Yankee in Eilat, did he? Shal was not surprised to hear, with a mohawk, an earring, a mouthful of scorn for anyone who dared tell him what to do. Eilat would be, oh, he saw him in, in Eilat. The name of the boy was Yankee. Okay, let's do it again. Hi, Shal, how are you? I just saw your son in Eilat the other day. Said Michael. Makes more sense. Shaul stared quietly at Michael for a moment. He saw Yankee and Eilat, did he? Shaul was not surprised to hear. With a mohawk, an earring, a mouthful of scorn for anyone who dared tell him what to do, Eilat would be the natural place to find Yankee these days. Are you his friend, asked Shaul? Not exactly a friend, but I met him. He is a great success down there, said Michael. A great success? Doing what? The pain with which the father asked the question almost knocked Michael off his, fate, off his feet. Chess, answered Michael. There was a chess tournament down there, and Yankee won the championship. He just swept everyone away. Yes, Yankee always had a good head on his shoulders, sighed Shaul. But what is, he, what, is he after, what is he after down there? What is he doing with his life? Shaul found a place to sit and put his head in his hands. Oi, my poor, poor Yankee, my dear, dear Yankee. Who would have ever believed that his beloved son, who seemed so headed for greatness in Tyre and Yerushalayim, could have fallen so low? He fell in with a bad crowd and threw off everything. He left Tyre Mitzvahs and his entire family behind him. So much hope, so much prayer, so many tears, and so much pain. Where was his heart? How could Yanki have hurt his parents so badly? How could he rebel against Hashem? Shaul went home and saw the place where he used to sit and learn with his son Yankee, not so long ago. It seemed like yesterday that Yankee had asked him such a beautiful, insightful question on the Gemara. With a bitter smile, Shaul remembered the sweep of Yankee's thumb as he asked the question. What a Talmud Chachem you're turning out to be, he told his son, and patted him on the back. He opened the Gemara and tried to forget his pain. That night he got a phone call from his son. Abba, I need... Money, said Yankee. I don't have, answered Shaw. He's not TP trained. Not so much, explained Yankee. Just whatever, whatever you used to spend, whatever you used to spend on my tuition when I learned in yeshiva. Anyway, you would have had to spend it if I was still learning there. No, that's a good twisted taina, right? Shaul could not control his pain. There was no point in yelling, even though he wanted to shout up to the heavens. Instead, he simply hung up the phone. Not deep, he drained. Oh, Yankee, not only did he abandon his family and his tyra, he had the nerve to ask for money too. Who knew what he would use the money for? Again, he leaned over his gemara and tried to immerse himself in its wisdom and forget his pain. But again, the images of days gone by rose in his mind. He remembered how, not so long ago, they sat in the same place, in fierce debate over the Gemara, Yankee asked a question, Shaul gave an answer, Yankee raised an objection to the answer, Shaul refuted it back and forth, back and forth, in an excited debate, with smiles on their faces, a war of Tyra that draws its combatants closer and closer to one another in love. It wasn't so long ago at all. Who knows, he thought to himself, maybe that inner point of good is still there inside of him, 
Reb Nachman of Breslov said that we have to judge even the worst sinner favorably. We have to find his inner point, Nakuda Taiva, his inner point of goodness, however small, and focus on it. That one point of goodness can tilt the scales in his favor and draw him back to tshuva. A little bit more. Oid ma'at ve'ein rasha, and the wicked person is no more. Contemplate his place, and he is gone. This Contemplate the little bit of goodness inside of him. Oid ma'at. And suddenly you will see ve'ein rasha. There's no wicked person anymore, since he has turned into a tzaddik. Think good about him, and it will be good, he said to himself. From that point on, instead of worrying about how bad his son had become, he tried focusing his thoughts on the good points of his son, even if there seemed to be no good to him at the moment, there was so much good in the past, certainly some of that good must remain. As he turned his thoughts in that direction, he started to feel rays of hope. Each day, he tried to spend at least five minutes just thinking good thoughts about his son. He remembered Yankee's love for Tyra learning, the innocence of his childhood, his sweet face crowned with payas. Each day, he thought about the good in him, and hoped that everything would be good in the end, and that the wicked would soon be no more. One day he met Yankee's friend Michael again. I saw your son in a lot again, said Michael. Shul groaned. He doesn't seem so sure of himself anymore, Michael continued. I saw him just yesterday in a shul down there in a lot, looking for a quiet corner and a stender on which to learn. Shul's eyes moistened with tears of hope. He knew it. He believed that his son would eventually come back. Our Father in Heaven also believes in His children, both near and far. He too sees the good in us and waits for us to return. As it says, He will return the hearts of the fathers through the sons and the hearts of sons through the fathers. So we finished over here learning the Yud Many of them hit home. But most of the examples we're a little bit, we had to make a mushal and a nimshal, but this example is something that we can all mamish, mamish feel in our bones. And Baruch Hashem, in addition to just feeling this, which is, this is a power, this is a power, this is a kayach elyon that we have to do. In addition to that, we have a lot of skill and a lot of ideas on how to shower our kids with love and make them feel our love and draw them back with cords of love like the Svarim teach us, like the Chazanish said, Yenasu l'mashcham, and that's a very big part of what we're doing. A lot of people think, okay, I'm going to love my kid, I love my kid, but in my house I have to have rules. And as the world continues, and as the years go by, the children and the world, people are much more sensitive. And the has moved to what they consider rejection. As I always say, rejection is in the heart of the beholder. It's not about what we think is fair. It's not about saying, what did I do wrong? All I said was, you could see in their face and you could see your relationship drop as soon as you try to get them to conform. And the whole idea of TP is that by not asking them to conform, by saying, I don't want you to conform because I love the real you, the you that you are now, we see miracles that then it's not emotionally difficult for them to conform. So people are fighting over the yarmulke in my house. Please wear a yarmulke. We say, chas v'shalom. I don't want you to put on a yarmulke. Because out there, they accept him and they love him without the yarmulke. And if at home, I need you to have this on your head for me to love you, in our day and age, their sensitivity is so great, they feel, oh, this is what they need.
They need me to have this, otherwise they don't really love me. When we say, chas v'shalom, I, I don't want you to dress up for me, it releases them, this I could tell you, nisayin mo'chiach, it releases this from being painful, and they put on the yarmulke much more often. We have girls we see that's posted in our chats who are dressing tznias, girls who were never able to dress tznias, and we have to go through that painful part where TP is extreme, and we say, don't dress tznias for me, don't dress up for me, be you. Because, like, like you just had, that picture that you sent me of her by the chasana, completely tsanua, not even for my family, for your chasidisha family, on her own, on her own, that she felt now comfortable to cover up her skin, when a year ago that was impossible. And it didn't happen by saying, please do me a favor, Bobby's going to be there, she's going to have a heart attack, what are you doing, it's an embarrassment, we went through dark times where she went out and, and even Goyim wouldn't dress like that to a, to a, a, a formal affair. Dressed not appropriate. And you put your arm around her and you went through that and now on her own, which is really what we're after. Other people, they struggle for 10 years, 20 years because they're not letting the child do it on their own because they're always, oh, I have to do it. And then they have reactants, which we've learned about and we have all different types of feelings and it becomes a power struggle and it becomes something that I got to fight for my life. No, I'm bedafka not going to do it. You're killing the bedafka. You're killing the, 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 the whole doing things out of lahachis. You're removing the lahachis to reach the sweet, sensitive, caring soul that they really are, and the result is that they're able to conform because it doesn't hurt them to. It takes a little bit of time. That's why people are looking at us and saying, what are you, crazy? Well, you're just letting her walk out like that as if you have control. But what we're doing is we're showing the, the, the child that if this is where you are now, I'm showing you love. You don't have to dress up, not for me, not for the neighbors. It's very difficult. But the result is fabulous. The result is amazing. If you stick around long enough, you see them that they're able to start realizing, hey, I should probably conform a little bit. We have so many hundreds of stories of kids who did not conform, who came to weddings and bar mitzvahs dressed like you wouldn't even go to work like that. Forget about it. The mom is not appropriate. Like they're going to the beach. Kemat. And a few years later, they're happy to go look, try to blend in, because we allowed them to blend in when they didn't. We didn't allow their their temporary soyu vavayu their temporary confusion to 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 cause a wall and cause rikuk. We went over that wall. We went through that wall. We bombed that wall away and we embraced them in their matziv, showing them I'm totally okay with you. Very uncomfortable. Can have a Shabbos table with 20 people around it and someone in their pajamas or even worse, sitting there. To me, that's obvious that that person is suffering, that they're, they're, that they're in pain. And the healing of the pain is acting and teaching the, the family and the siblings and the aunts and the uncles and the community to just allow it and to totally treat them as if they're dressed perfectly fine and acting perfectly fine and speaking perfectly fine. In home sweet home, when they came off the street and they came in the beginning first to my house for Shabbosim, the house was closed for Shabbos. They first came to me and after they got used to a Shabbos table, they would go to good friends of mine that were makar of them by being warm to them and accepting them even though they weren't dressed properly. But in the first few weeks, they were in my house. And I raised my little kids from all ages, from four till 20. And they were, there were words said at my Shabbos table that are not found in any Zemiris. They, Pasha, didn't know 
even chap. I remember sometimes the ones who were there a little longer, we had one kid who was there six months, and a new kid came in, and he said a curse word at the Shabbos table, and the new one, what, what was, why was he already normal? Because he was already became normalized, not by telling him Musr, by not saying anything, by showing him, just be you. He would go, hey, and the guy would say, what? You can't say that in front of the kids. Oh, I didn't realize. The mamish didn't realize. Their, their head is in a fog. They don't even know what's right, what's wrong, left and right, straight and crooked and twisted. And mamish messed up. And the, he, I saw mamish three months, six months, nine months, how they became more and more normal. And they began to remember and to realize what's appropriate and what's not appropriate behavior. And most of them graduated completely Shemitah Mitzvahs, which was mamish a miracle. What was interesting about Home Sweet Home that I never told them not to curse in front of me. And after a month or two or three, once we were kind of them, once they became mamish, they felt good, and they, got, and they calmed down, and they saw that I'm not challenging you, when they would curse in front of me, they would apologize. And this was something by every single one of them. One after the other after the other, they would curse, and they would say, oh, I'm sorry. After a certain amount of time, after I got in with a hava, with acceptance, without changing, without... And I would always say, why are you apologizing? Did I ever ask you not to curse in front of me? And they said, no, it's not proper. And I noticed that with other people, they still cursed, because those people said, oh, don't talk like that, don't do that. Oh, I, I can't hear that. They criticized them. You criticize them? Ah, I'm going to keep on doing it. I'll, like it says, if you tell me not to do it, I'll do it twice and take pictures. Because that's a war, because you're not accepting me. I never told them not to curse, ever. And they felt after I, after you get somewhere, and your NKN, that's the Nafshik Shuruba Nafshik chart, and the NKN is 60, 70, 80, they start to have respect for you. And then when they would curse, it was an accident. It was only very, very rare, and they would say, I'm sorry. And I said, you don't have to apologize. You can talk. What was very interesting, another lesson, I mean, all my lessons come from Home Sweet Home. But so interesting. I had volunteers. In the beginning, none of us knew. None of us were trained. We had no idea what, what we were doing at all. I remember the first night, the volunteer took out the kids. There were four kids, or th- three kids. And called me up frantic in the olden days. And he called me up and he says, Avi, I lost them. I'm like, you lost them? How do you lose, how do you lose them? He goes... I, I stopped off on the way back home from Manhattan after a beautiful night, and I, I parked the car in front of Landau's. I told him, I'm just going to Davin Marav. When I came out, they were gone. <laughs> so we had to learn things along the way. One of the things that we learned was that there were some guys, I had all different types of guys, I had very Erluch and I had not so Erluch. There were some guys that were cool. And I was like, wow, that's so good, because I wanted them to see that you could be cool and you could be from. One of the guys in particular, he used to curse. He, he was not mocked on his language. And he also used to sometimes comment, he wanted to show them, like, I'm like you. If there was a woman walking, right, they would whistle or hang out the windows in the, in the first few months until they got calm. And he would also comment, and he wanted to show them, I'm like you. They all told me, we don't like this volunteer. Even though he was the coolest, the most fun. We don't like this volunteer. Why is he trying to look cool? He's a married man. Why is he looking at women? And it was so interesting. He would curse. They said, he curses. That's for truck drivers. 
They themselves would curse, but they knew deep down a respectable person doesn't talk like that. A respectable person doesn't do that. A from person shouldn't be commenting. One of the early things that we learned, and as I trained the volunteers, we, we learned more and more was, you be you. Be from, be erlach, shmir, seinayim. Don't talk. Yes, they can be them. Don't criticize them. Don't expect them to be you. And yes, we will listen to the music that they like, and you tell them, I don't normally listen to this, but if that's what makes you happy, I'm happy to listen to it. But you have to show them a dogma ishis, a personal example. I'm happy being from, and I'm erloch, and I'm happy, and life is great. It was one of the most interesting things to me, that they didn't like that the guy cursed. He said, truck drivers talk like that. I, you talk like that. So they knew themselves deep down. Don't go around. They knew deep down that this is not the way a stable person should be. What they wanted from us was stability. So we can go ahead and we can embrace. doesn't mean that we are going to behave the, the way that they behave. Same thing, we have a lot of kids that in the beginning, they're so angry at the father's pace, they're so angry at your beard, and they're so wild, and you're unkempt, and you're this, and you're that, then why do you always dress this way? And they hate it. You look six months later. When you accept them without any pressure to conform, they don't mind your pay is, you could be you. If you let me be me, I let you be you. So this last example is very emotional for me, I'm sure it's emotional for you, and we have a lot to learn from. And Be'ezus Hashem, we hope that using this power of this 13th Midah and all the other Midahs, that we will open up the Tzinar, that Hashem will start even more, it's, it's amazing, we control Hashem Tzilcho, the Baal Shem Tov says, we can control Hashem. When you go ahead and you do this, it allows Hashem to open that scene or that pipeline to treat the world with more kindness, more love, more mercy. Nobody is doing that as much as you parents. We're basically over 450 parents in the Tipi family who are mamish using the Yudgimomidis. Every day you're doing it, either you know you're doing it or you're doing it by accident because that's part of your training. But you should learn and study the Yud Gimel Midas and you should make a Yiratzin because it's a mitzvah saying in the Torah of Allah Bidrachav. And you should go to the mikvah. You don't always have time for this. You should go to the mikvah. You should say Yiratzin. You should say L'shem Yichud Kutsh Berichah Shchintei Aydei Ahut Harmen Venelu M'shem Kol Yisrael. Hinni Mulchon Amuzumen Lakayim Mitzvah Sasei Shel V'Halachta Bidrachav. As it says, Now I'm going to be an Erechapayim. It's a mitzvah to say in the Torah. Now I'm going to be a Rav Chesed Ba'emis, Neitz Chesed La'alofim. Now I'm going to be Neitzay Avayin. And when you use the Yudgim Omidus, you are Zaycha to be, unfortunately, you're in situations where you are Mekayim Mitzvah Asseis. Wow. Other people have to wait till, ma- till Matzah. They have to wait till Mitzvah Asseis. It's hard to find a Mitzvah Asseis. You get tens of Mitzvah Asseis every single day. Have it in mind. Do it not because I'm stuck and I have to. Do it because this is my avoida to bring down the shefa on this world. L'shem yichud, b'shem kol yisrael. And the Ebeshez will help that we should open up the tzina, the pipelines of shefa of the Yedgimomid Sarachamim for all of Klal Yisrael that need it. This is Avi Fischoff from Twisted Bounty. To be added to my broadcast, please send a WhatsApp request to 718-902-6666.